there was a missionary by the name of John Patton. He was a Scottish missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. And he tells a thrilling story involving the protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, and they were intent on burning down his home and killing them. Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that the attackers had left, and they thanked God for delivering them. Well, the couple bravely continued on in their work, and later that year, the chief of that tribe was converted to Christ. And Patton, remembering what had happened a year ago, asked the chief why they didn't burn their home down and why they didn't kill them. The chief replied in surprise, well, it's because all of those men who were surrounding your home. And Patton said, what men? It was just my wife and I. Well, the chief argued that they had seen many men, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. And they seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. And the chief agreed that there was no other explanation. This missionary's experience was similar to what happened once in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. Elijah and his servant were surrounded by the enemy. And Elijah prayed, and his servant's eyes were opened. And the servant saw flaming chariots of fire and the armies of God all around them. He saw the reality of ministering spirits. We're told by the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 1.14 that angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit eternal life. There is an unseen world around us and sometimes we have no idea their activity and how angels are being sent by God to minister to us. Well, in our text today, Jesus refers to a vision that Jacob had about angels and their traveling between earth and heaven and how he is the ladder that connects his people to heaven and its help. Last week, we kicked off our new summer sermon series, Encounters with, with Jesus, and we are looking at uh, a number of encounters that Jesus had in the Gospel of John with various people. And through these encounters, we learn more about the person and ministry of Christ and how he dealt with people and how people responded to him. And we began with the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. You recall that after John the Baptist proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God, Andrew and John wanted to seek out Jesus and spend time with Him. And Jesus invited them to spend time with Him where He was staying. And as a result of their meeting with Jesus, they were transformed. And in His excitement, Andrew went and told his brother Cephas, 
about Jesus and brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus met Cephas, he showed that he knew who he was. But then he also showed his authority and his power and changed his name to Peter, which means the rock. Peter, by God's grace, would come to be known for his rock-stable faith and his testimony about the Lord. Well, this week we're going to look at the text following the text we looked at last week. When Jesus travels to Galilee and he calls two more disciples to himself. So follow along with me as we read John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. And remember, this is the word of the Lord. He is speaking to us today in his word. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thus far, the reading of God's Word. We're going to see in this text how Jesus calls us to follow him. And through his encounter with Nathanael, we're going to see his divine ability to know us. And we'll also see him declaring that he is the ladder to heaven depicted in Jacob's vision. And we'll see the impact that all of this should have on the believer's life. Well, our text opens with the first thing that God wants us to see in our text, and that is Jesus finds Philip and commands him. We read in verse 43 and 44, Jesus decides to travel to Galilee from Bethany, which is west of where he was. And he finds Philip. And he says to Philip, follow me. Well, Philip was from Bethsaida and the same city which Andrew and Cephas was from. And Philip's calling here is different from those before him. Andrew and John, you remember, heard John the Baptist proclaim that Jesus was the Lamb of God, and they wanted to find out more about what that meant, and they spent time with Jesus, and they believed. And on the other hand, we see that Simon was led to Christ by his brother Andrew's personal testimony. And this uh, shows us here that We shouldn't expect every conversion to be the same or to look the same. Jesus ministers to every soul based on his intimate divine 
knowledge of us. In this case, he physically sought out Philip, either on the way to Galilee or in Galilee. But however anyone encounters Jesus, he commands everyone to follow him. Now I want you to think about this word, follow. It's in the present tense, which communicates that it is a continuous action. In other words, Jesus is saying, keep on following me. He's calling him, Philip, to follow him permanently. And this is part of what it means to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower. And it implies turning away from your own path and trusting in Christ as your Savior as the way and the truth and the life. And then the second point that we see from our text is that Philip finds Nathanael and Philip's declaration about Jesus. Look at verse 45 and 46. 45 says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now the first thing that we notice here is what went on last week. Remember Andrew went and told his brother. Well, here we have Philip going and telling his friend Nathaniel. Here's a pattern. When people encounter Jesus, when they become believers, they are so excited that they take the initiative to go and find their relatives and their friends and tell them about Jesus. But notice what Philip tells Nathaniel. We have found him. Who? Who is the him? Well, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Now this implies, I think, that both Philip and Nathaniel were students of the Bible. They knew that the Old Testament contains more than just character studies of God's people. No, the Old Testament was a story about Jesus and the coming of Jesus and how he was to come and fulfill the promises of God's covenant of grace. Philip and Nathaniel probably often dwelt on the Old Testament portrait of the coming Messiah. They were looking for this Messiah who was prophesied through Moses and the prophets. What did Moses say? Well, in one instance, in Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. But what does the law teach us about Christ? We read the law earlier. And what does the law do? It convicts us of our sin. It shows us we cannot fulfill God's commandments. That we need a mediator. And the Passover and the whole sacrificial system in the Bible, in the Old Testament, shows us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, all of this pointed to how God was going to send us the perfect Lamb to provide our righteousness and atone for our sin. The prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53, verse 11, 
that Jesus was coming to be the servant. And it says, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. So this is what the Messiah was to come to do. To provide righteousness and atonement for sin. But of course, Nathan was skeptical. Especially learning that Jesus was from Nazareth. Some of the commentators said there must have been some kind of healthy competition between where Nathaniel was from, Cana, and Nazareth because they were close to one another. But I think probably more than this, Nathanael knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 tells us this. So he's thinking, well, the Messiah is not to come from Nazareth, but of course he he didn't know that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. Philip and Nathanael probably didn't realize this at this point. But Philip did not attempt to argue with Nathanael. What did he do? He invited him to see for himself. Come and see. That's always good advice. That after you give your testimony of who Jesus is and what he came to do for you, take people to Jesus. And how do we do that? We take people to his word. And we pray that the Lord would reveal himself through his word. Well then thirdly, God wants us to see Nathaniel is known by Jesus and Nathaniel's transformation and declaration. Look at verses 47 through 49. Nathaniel took his friend's invitation to heart. He went to see Jesus. And it says in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. What's going on here? Well, if you recall last week, Jesus knew Cephas. He knew who he was, even though he never met him. And here we see that he knows Nathanael as well. Now what does this declaration about him mean? Jesus refers to him as an Israelite. Well, most Jews referred to themselves as Israelite. Where did they get that name? Well, they get it from Jacob, who was given a new name, Israel. And so the descendants of Jacob were called Israelites. But he says here, indeed. Which means that Jesus knows him to be a certain kind of Israelite. A true one. In other words... He's an Old Testament believer. And when he says, in whom there is no deceit, we have to go back to the original uh, Israel, uh, who was Jacob. You recall the story of Jacob. Jacob was a scoundrel. Jacob deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright. Jacob then deceived his father so that his father would bless him instead of his oldest son. And although God chose Jacob and loved him, he was initially a deceiver. That's what his original name meant, Jacob. But later, God would work in his life and wrestle with him 
and change his heart and his character, and then he was named Israel. So Jesus knew Nathanael was a true Israelite. He was not like Jacob. In essence, he was saying, here is a true Israelite who is no Jacob. Jesus knows, by God's grace, he is a transparent man. He's not a deceitful man. He was a true believer like Simeon and Anna were, looking for the Messiah. And Nathanael here knew right away Jesus knew his heart. And he exclaimed, how do you know me? But then Jesus continues to astonish him and follows his question with something to further convince Nathanael of his deity of his supernatural knowledge. It says in the second half of verse 48, Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus shows his supernatural ability extends beyond just knowing Nathaniel's heart. He knows what he did even before he came to him. And he reveals to Nathaniel something that no one would have known about him. Now, we're not sure what he was doing under the fig tree before Philip came to get him, but I think we can guess that he was meditating or praying under that fig tree and had some kind of spiritual experience that would only be known by God himself. Now, Nathaniel was not only without deceit, but he was able to put two and two together. And quickly, he knew that only God could know these things about him. And he realized that this is who Jesus was. And so in verse 49, Nathanael answers him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. What an incredible statement. Nathanael believed that he was God, that he was the Messiah. All of a sudden, his skepticism took a 180-degree turn. He confessed that he was the Son of God. What does that term mean? Well, it communicates that he was uniquely related in oneness and intimacy with God the Father. And joined with this idea was that he was the King of Israel. He was the one prophesied about to come and reign on the throne of his father David and rule over God's kingdom forever. And you know, it's instructive here that Jesus says nothing in disparagement of Nathanael's glorious testimony. And then finally, after Nathanael's answer, we hear point number four, Jesus' promise of greater things and his declaration of himself. Look at verse 50 and 51. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. As in verse 51, he's referring to the story back of Jacob. He's saying, you're going to see things far greater than this about me. 
The story of Jacob is an interesting one. In Genesis 28, he is fleeing hastily out of fear of Esau. He thought Esau, this brother that he deceived out of his birthright and blessing, was coming to kill him. And so Jacob was fleeing and he was exhausted and he came to this valley and rested his head on a rock. And God gave him a vision. He saw a ladder standing on the earth, its top reaching heaven. And ascending and descending upon it were angels, the angels of God. Now in connection with this, Jacob then hears God pronounce to him, and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God was communicating to Jacob that he was not alone. That he was going to protect him. And that he was going to be faithful to his covenant promises. And so you see, Jesus is connecting this vision with the greater things that he is going to show Nathaniel. But not just Nathaniel. Because in the Greek here, when he says, you will see heaven opened, it's in the plural. And so he's communicating that these greater things will be revealed not just to Nathaniel, but to all of Jesus' followers. And Jesus uses the double amen here. He says, truly, truly. In other words, to set up, it's a prefix to something he's going to emphasize to say that this is certain. This is going to happen. Now, how does Jacob's vision apply to Jesus and to believers? Ladders have been around since ancient times. You know what they're used for to get to uh, another level, either higher or lower. And they are something that connects us to another level, transports us. When I was a painter, uh, back when I was in seminary, we had 40-foot ladders that we had to climb to reach three stories high. And I remember one time my boss telling me, go up there and paint the eaves of this house and it's three stories high. Use the 40-footer and I'll hold the ladder for you. I remember how nervous I was up there. I hardly got any painting done because I was hanging onto that ladder so tightly. Jesus is communicating here though that he is the ladder between heaven and earth. As Nathan's spiritual vision would be broadened, he and other believers would grow to understand that because of Christ's work, heaven has been opened to them. Jesus was the guarantee and the conduit to heaven and God's presence. Calvin says something interesting here. He says, without Christ's work, angels have a rather deadly enmity against us than a friendly care to help us. But that is all changed in Christ. Because of Christ, believers are fellow citizens of heaven. We will be companions with the angels. And the angels here are depicted as being utilized by Christ as guardians, as ministers to His people. Because of His Life, death, and resurrection and ascension, Jesus has bridged the gap between heaven and earth. In Christ, we have reconciliation with God. In Christ, we have heavenly citizenship. In Christ, we have union with the Godhead. 
in Christ. He has the whole host of heaven working on our behalf whenever there is need. We don't ever have to feel alone or helpless or fearful or without resources. Jesus wants us to realize that there is an unseen spiritual realm. Just as Elijah wanted his servant to see that when the enemies surrounded them, there was a great host, an army of God's angels protecting them. When Jacob woke up from this vision, he said this, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And he called that place Bethel, which means house of God. You see, this is what Jesus has brought us by his grace. God now indwells us. We are the house of God. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the spiritual house of the Lord. And God's people in Christ are always at the open gate of heaven. Now you'll notice that at the end, Jesus says that you will see angels ascending and descending on Him. And He refers to Himself as the Son of Man. That's a title that He gives Himself 13 times in the Gospel of John. And this is in reference to Daniel chapter 7, another prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. In a night vision, Daniel saw one like a son of man, in other words, human but also divine, who was granted universal authority by the Ancient of Days. So we've seen now in this text how Jesus calls people to follow Him. And we've seen also through his encounter with Nathaniel, his divine omniscience. He knows us. He also declares himself to be the divine Son of Man and the ladder to heaven depicted in Jacob's vision. So what application does God want us to draw from this text to the way we should think and live as believers? Let me give you four application points in the form of questions. The first one is, are you a Christ follower? Christ, the risen King, continues to issue His command to follow Him. What needs to happen if you are to become a follower of Christ? Well, God must give you a new heart. And when He does that, you will recognize that you're a sinner. And that you cannot save yourself. You'll recognize that God is holy and demands perfection according to His commandments in thought, word, and deed. And He's also just. And He must punish all sin in hell. And you cannot be righteous enough for God. You cannot atone for your sins. And this is why Jesus came in the flesh and yet remain God in order to be your substitute. He came to fulfill all the commandments on your behalf in order to impute to you His righteous record. He came to take your place on the cross and receive the judgment that was due for your sin. He died. And then He rose bodily from the dead on the third day, proving 
that he was God the Messiah and that his work was accepted on behalf of his people for their salvation. And so all who turn from their sin and transfer their trust to Jesus alone for their salvation are declared righteous before God and forgiven of all sin and they're adopted into God's family. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They're given the guarantee of heaven that they will be in heaven with Christ and all believers forever after they die. But along with this conversion comes a surrendering of the will to Christ, following Him as Lord of their lives. True faith and following Christ go hand in hand. You cannot be a Christian if you're not also his follower, his disciple. You can know you're a Christian if you've believed in Jesus and what he did for your salvation and you also follow him. Follow him as your teacher and you look to his word for instruction and guidance as authority and you seek to follow his example not in order to earn favor with God because we know that only Christ can do that for us. No, it's a result of the grace that you've received in him and the new heart that you have that you want to follow his example. And you seek to be submissive to his will. You seek to deny yourself and to take up your cross daily in following the Lord. You're willing to have your lifestyle changed and your priorities turned around because He's your Lord. And you identify with His people, His church, and you seek to worship and fellowship and serve the Lord with them. The second question, have you been following the pattern of one disciple finding and telling a relative or friend about Christ? Believers will follow this pattern. This pattern of Andrew, this pattern of Philip, you have a concern for non-believers. You have a concern that others come to know Christ as their Savior. You want them to hear about the Lord. But you also know that it is God who must change people's hearts and draw them to Himself. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You did not choose Me, but I chose you. Jesus is the one who ultimately finds his disciples. But he often uses his people in that process. And so we ought to be praying for opportunities to tell people our testimony of who Christ is and what he did for us. And when they have questions, hopefully we can answer some of them. But don't argue with people. Just invite them to see Jesus. And again, how do we see Jesus? Well, we make sure that people have a Bible. We challenge them to start reading the Bible, perhaps in the Gospel of John. We ask them to come to church with us to hear God's Word. And then we get back to them and we answer any questions that they might have about their reading. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Thirdly, question is, do you know Jesus knows everything about you? He knows your heart, just as he knew Nathaniel's heart. If you're a non-believer, your heart is unable to have a relationship with God. 
because of sin. You're spiritually dead. You're separated from God. You cannot have fellowship with Him because of sin. The only way that you can have fellowship with Him is if He makes your heart new. And then you express in that newness of life faith and repentance in Christ and begin to follow Him. And so pray that this might happen in your life. And it will be evidenced by you turning from living for yourself and sin and believing in Jesus alone for your salvation. But if you're a believer, God knows your heart. He knows your flaws and your sins. You will not be perfect in this life, even though you have a new heart. But how does Jesus view you? How did He view Nathaniel? Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Did Jesus mean by saying that he was without sin? No. He was recognizing that this man was a believer by God's grace. He had the potential by God's grace to have the character qualities of godliness and holiness becoming more and more like Christ. You see, this is how God views us. This is how Jesus views us. We have a new name. We are God's children. Sons and daughters of God. We need to believe that we have this new identity. And not to define ourselves by our sin, but by who we are in Christ. And He is the greatest need of our hearts. And He will show us how much He knows us and how much He loves us. The fourth question is, are you living in the reality of what is going on in the spiritual realm for you because of Christ. He promised Nathaniel and all believers that they would see greater things about him in his role as the latter, as bridging heaven and earth. He wants all of us to have an increased understanding of the heavenly realities around us, to have a greater vision of divine matters. And this is what happens as we grow in Christ. We see things more and more from a heavenly perspective. Jacob was tired. Jacob was fearful. Jacob was lonely when God gave him this vision of the ladder and the angels. Maybe you're in a similar place today. You're tired. You're lonely. You're fearful. And God wants you, believer, to know that heaven is wide open for you. Heaven is closer than you think. You are God's spiritual house. God indwells you by His Holy Spirit. And there is activity between heaven and earth on your behalf because of Christ. You see, I think we have a de-supernaturalized emphasis on life. I think Satan tries to get us to Forget that there's a spiritual realm around us. We don't see what's going on when we go about our routines in life. But God wants us to know that He's at work. And because of what Christ has done for us, He has gapped the, the, the big divide between heaven and earth. In Him, we have access to heaven through prayer. God has... Uh, provided Christ to give us new hearts and a new identity in Him. And we don't have to climb 
the ladder. Jesus is not a ladder that we climb. No, Jesus is the ladder that bridges us to heaven. And we have the the love of God and the power of God available to us. The angels are the ones going up and down Him, caring for us. And so I ask you, do you know this? What difference would it make if you appropriated these spiritual realities all the time? That you saw with spiritual eyes of faith that heaven is yours and Jesus is providing for us hope and help from heaven whenever we need it. So may God so strengthen our faith to see these greater things that we have in Christ. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, we're aware now because of this text, there's a lot going on that we don't see. And you are all knowing and you are all powerful. Thank you for bridging the gap, the gap because of our sin, providing us with your righteousness and forgiveness and opening the gates of heaven for us. Thank you for making us citizens of heaven. Thank you for the angels that are ministering spirits that are constantly doing your bidding for us. Oh Lord, help us to leave here with greater assurance of the resources that we have in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.